This is Ursula Hogan welcoming you to News Extra on Scariff Bay Community Radio where we feature interviews which go into detail on some of the local events in East Clare this week. Scariff O'Gunnelow under 21 hurling team last Saturday in O'Gunnelow defeated Clooney Quinn to reach the semi-final of the A competition. After the game, Leo Doyle spoke to the Scariff O'Gunnelow manager, Conor McNamara. Conor, Conor McNamara, the, the vanish draw for Scariff O'Gunnelow, <laughs> uh, coming across Conor. Often served across the field, maybe in more ways than one, and he joins us here. Conor, you're welcome. Cheers, that's Congratulations, nice. Conor. Good win for Scariff O'Gunnelow, and I suppose the pleasing thing for you into a semi-final, but, you know, a big improvement from day one. Yeah, uh, we were slow to start again, which is an issue for us. Um, now, to be fair to Clooney Quinn, I mean, they brought a serious fight to the first 15, the break, no doubt, and it helped us. Uh, we got back in, we, we, we reset, um, had a few choice words to be said, and uh, look, the, the, it, was, it was really that second 15 in the first half, I think, that won us the game. Yeah, and I suppose, Conor, you know, unfortunately for, for, for um, Callum Hesed, you know, to pick up the injury, but mm. it was a perfect break. It was like the water breaks were back in, back, back in, back in action again, you know, and... You, there's no doubt, knowing the character you are yourself, you weren't going to let him back out in the field without, as you said, a few choice words. Uh, well, and they, look, need, they needed him. Well, look at no, look at there, there was no, there was no panic in, at any level. Like we were still only three points down. Do you know what I mean? So it was about work rate. We just told them to increase their work rate by ten to fifteen percent. You know, and they did that, and we could see it. Like you can see the difference in the work rate between the first fifteen and the second fifteen. Chalk and cheese. And Connor, two four to three points was the score for the second quarter. You know, and you were playing again, arguably a very very strong breeze. And you know, put you in a very comfortable position going in half time. And you came out in straight away and put the game to bed very very early. Yeah, uh, look, at, things went our way. You know, as well, um, we got a couple of breaks that led to a couple of lucky goals. You know, but look, at there's a huge improvement needed going forward in two weeks' time, wherever that may be. Um, we were in this position last year, so we know exactly what's required. But Whatever about today, a great win, and it's fine, but uh, huge improvement is needed going forward. Yeah, and as you said, lots of, you, know, you will have to improve, you know, the, the, the big guns are coming down coming down the track, and you said, lots done, plenty more to do, Connor. Yeah, absolutely, look at, big guns are coming, but we're not so small ourselves, so look, at, we'll take it with a challenge, we love a challenge, um, so we'll take it, we'll take it on and see how we get on, that's all we can do. And as you said, back in the same position well last year, last out in a Titanic basin here to, to cut off in the end, so it was nip and tuck the whole way through to the Pearville game of two halves, but look, you're back, 12 months is a, it, it turns around very, very quick, Connor. It does, it's, it only seems like we're here yesterday to last year, but um, looking like it's gas, like some people say, forget about last year, we don't, we remember last year what happened here, we learn from it, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not learning from the past, what are you doing? So look at, we'll give it a go, we'll enjoy it as we're going, we'll make sure everyone's ready and uh, we'll be ready to go for two weeks' time. And of course you have the small matter of the under 21 C team playing tomorrow as well, so they have to get their, their, their priorities as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's never ending in the 21 game, um, it's, it's one after the other. <coughs> uh, again, look at, we're going tomorrow, we're going to give a performance and again, Work right to win the game. That's that's what it is. It's the name of the game this time of the year. Connor, thanks for coming over and taking time. Well, well. And the best luck to you and all the boys tomorrow and in the results in semi-final. Broadford historian Pat O'Brien last Sunday launched his new book, A History of Broadford Parishes, eighteen hundred to eighteen hundred and fifty. Our reporter, also named Pat O'Brien, was at the launch where he met Cahill Crow TD and chatted to him about the book. I'm here with uh, Cahill Crow TD for Clare. Cahill, uh, a great evening for Broadford and uh, the history of the, of the parish. Yeah, look, history is, a, is an absolutely wonderful thing. It's a passion of mine. It's a passion of Pat O'Brien's and uh, 
we struck up a good friendship actually many years ago over history, chatting over and back, and I've been in and out to the shop on many occasions. A fabulous shop there in Limerick with the best of books, a lot of them out of print and re really great material. So look, Broadford's only back the road from where I live myself, and um, it's a history... Some aspects of it are certainly shared with us, so I, I look forward to reading a lot of it. It goes up to the year 1850, um, so I think there's uh, probably another volume to come after it, and, uh, but I'd be very interested in this. I had a, a great-grandfather who was a Land League leader, and it doesn't fully coincide with this period, but there was a lot of, uh, a lot of agrarian agitation going on around this time, white boys and, and activity happening in, in rural parts of this county, so... Uh, can't wait to get into it. Plenty of bedtime reading. <laughs> <laughs> there's a huge amount of uh, a huge amount of research went into it anyway, Carl. And, and there's a marvelous read, and I suppose you could uh, do a bit of it and go back and read it in another section of the game. And uh, it's a marvelous publication. Yeah, so someone said to me there out in the hall as we're having a cup of tea, the population here around famine times, coming into the famine, was around 4,000 people. And now the population of the village, and I suppose a kilometre outside of it, is around 400 people. So that'll just tell you. Now, now I presume that's factual in the book. That was just said over a cup of tea there with, with someone that's chatting. But, but that just shows the period we're talking about here, 1800 to 1850, a devastating period in Irish history. The Act of Union there in 1800, uh, so whatever battles had happened heretofore, we, we became part of the British Empire in, in that period and fully let down by the British Empire uh, around 1847, 1848, during the height of the famine. And now, and I say this more as a historian than, than as a politician, now I think in the fullness of time that famine, not just in Broadford, but throughout Ireland, can be seen for what it really was. It was an act of genocide. And the more I delve into history books, uh, there were similar uh, famines happening around that time in India and also in Persia which were also under British rule so I think w some of the terminologies we've used for these things probably need to be retaught but just shows how devastating it was here in Broadford Yeah and I suppose all over the country as well uh, Carl, you know you had workhouses and you had you know people people um, with very small small amounts of land and very small small houses you know it is, it is incredible the way they, they, they existed at all yeah, it, it is incredible, and uh, as we're queuing up there for Pat O'Brien to sign our books, I, I flick through some of this, so you have you have everything in this small village. Uh, does it, it, it got stuck in a time warp in some ways, because it's surrounded by hills, um, whereas you had some industry coming into the likes of Killaloo, Tulla, and down on the Limerick border, in this part of East Clare, things remained pretty stagnant. Yes, you had your big gentry houses, um, like Glenomer House and others, and then you had Bohans. But the village street, the main street here in Broadford, is pretty much as it would have been a century ago and possibly even further back. And it's lovely as some works have happened down the street in the past 18 months, and as plaster is peeled back from some of those old houses and chiselled away, you can see what was there beforehand. It hasn't changed a whole lot. So Broadford's one of those fabulous villages that tourists now like to visit because coming in here, you get the warm welcome, but you also get a glimpse of what Irish life would have been like in, in, in years here before. Yeah. Um, I suppose, um, uh, Cahill, there's huge changes since that time to, to now. You know, and uh, I suppose maybe um, when, uh, when, when Britain was... Moved out of Ireland, and maybe it took a while to, for improvements to come around, but they came around eventually. Yeah, when when people talk about the 1916 to War of Independence period, they usually speak about you know the GPO in Dublin uh, and West Cork. Everyone talks about Tom Barry and what happened, you know, down around um, 
uh, d- down on to Kilmichael and all of those ambushes. But there is no denying that East Clare was uh, an area of the country that I think could rival West Cork for its activity during that period. Um, the East Clare Brigade, which was led up by Michael Brennan from my own village of Milik, mm-hmm. it, it was a real powerhouse of Republican activity. Uh, they were leading the way in recruiting in other parts of the county and beyond. And I suppose we would have seen that uh, during the, the Glenwood ambush there over in Belvire, Kilkishan. Um, Belvoir Sixfold Bridge, actually, I should correct myself. They're sensitive about the townland names there. Uh, but that, that, um, a lot of Broadford people would have been involved in that action and, and, and providing safe houses. Uh, there was, of course, an RAC barracks, and it still stands there, straight across from the church here in Broadford. And one of the things, I hope to delve into the book and, and read about this, the supposedly an, an original prison cell still preserved there uh, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the barred uh, door on it. So, yeah, this was a... The independence we enjoy nowadays and often take for granted was down to the activities in small villages like Broadford. And I think those who gave the most in that period stood to lose the most. There were reprisals in this area and the people of Broadford certainly suffered. Well, uh, Cahill, thanks very much for your time. And um, uh, hopefully the the book will sell very well for for Pet. Fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, and if you were like me, I I nearly missed it. Um, But if you didn't get a copy here tonight... Uh, Pat's bookshop there on uh, I think it's, it's a Partridge Street in Limerick uh, yeah. Rutland Street um, the Celtic bookshop uh, Pat and Caroline are in there every day you can pick up a copy and if you're anything like me bring an extra few bob because you'll see other books on the shelves they've, lo- they've lovely history local history books Killaloo and Tullin little parish pamphlets that are obscure many of us yeah, would yeah. never find they have them all in there so go in there it's a browser's paradise and you'll come away enlightened about the history of East Clare yeah, thanks Carl you have been listening to News Extra on Scariff Bay Community Radio. Join us again next weekend and we will keep you updated on local events. This is Ursula Hogan for Scariff Bay Community Radio.